Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. You know what I didn't see coming today? What? It is April 21st and there is snow on the ground. And not just like a little bit. Like when I woke up today, I think the total was 1.8 inches. Almost two inches of snow on April 21st. I know. Derby is next week. Yeah, I'm wearing floral next week. I don't have a pant option, no. nor do I want to. I don't have but any I'm going to need the, the snow not to be around. That's weird. It is very weird. It's very weird. And very I was weird. not prepared. No. I knew it was coming. <laughs> like like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like I knew it was coming. <laughs> but I just didn't expect it to come like as much as it did in the morning. And I'm impressed that you knew the date. Well, thank you. You knew the date. <laughs> like, April I, 21st. I was like, damn. She knew the date because I wrote it down. I was like, on this day, April 21st, <laughs> dear diary, <laughs> I'm so mad. It is snowed. I can't show my toes in public today. In Louisville. Thank hey. God, because then they need to get done like a you got worse way. You got but, time. You know. <laughs> You're still in your tinnies. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, this is a really good episode. So I'm going to let you give listeners a breakdown because this topic is near and dear to your soul. It really is. I have been talking about this with you, with Dan, with anybody who will listen. <laughs> the guy at Trader Joe's. <laughs> Pretty much. We talked about that at Trader Joe's the other day. Um, with anybody <laughs> that will listen because I'm so passionate about the rights of student athletes and more specifically the big topic that's been coming up in um, in the news for the past couple of years, but more so recently is the NIL, which means name, image, likeness. And um, that is the right of publicity involving situations where permission is required of a person to use their name, image, or likeness. So think about you have your favorite college sports person and you go and you buy a jersey that has their number on the back. It doesn't have their name, but you know that that is what you know their number. You know their number. Like it's buying like the quarterback's jersey with his number on it, but it didn't have his name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if you were playing a video game and your, you know, college sports figure has a lot of similarities to your favorite college basketball player, or your favorite college football player. So that's the name image likeness that we're talking about. And athletes uh, do not get paid to have these, like they're not getting a cut of the jersey sales. They're not getting a cut of the, um, you know, video games that are being sold that have their NIL all up in them. Mm -hmm. Um, So this has been a big conversation and a lot of athletes are like, listen, we're making the NCAA and our institutions a lot of money. Right. And we would like to have a cut of that. Correct. Which I think they are very much entitled to have that conversation. And I think this is a, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of people are on that fence of like, well, they are getting a full paid scholarship, which I do understand. There's a lot of benefits that coming from having a full paid scholarship or even a partial paid scholarship. But I think it's very important to notice that not a majority of student athletes are not full paid athletic scholarship athletes Mm -hmm. there are more partials than there are full um but that is something that you know with these scholarships there's a lot you know room and board is 
taken care of. They have access to tutors. They have access to great meal planning. They have great technology. technology. Um, so there, there's a ton of opportunity and ton of benefits that come with being a student athlete. But there's also a lot of limitations and a lot of restrictions put on these athletes that I think it is time that we revisit this conversation and we start thinking like, hmm, this is interesting. Okay, maybe we do need to reevaluate some things. Um, so our guest today covers a lot of that. Yes, she does. Um, and, and it's important to note that being the, the NIL is so important because we have such platforms now to grow so big, yes. so quickly, almost overnight. Yeah. So when these college athletes have these abilities based on their skills of why people are following them, but yet it can't be monetized. Right. And Celine Funky. Um, who is Great a name. fifth year, I know, I love this name, I love this girl. Um, she's a fifth year softball player at the University of Louisville. She is our guest today. Um, we met with her over Zoom. Um, so we're going to share that interview here in a little bit, but she's going to break it down, what it means to um, kind of be the voice of the non-revenue sports component of the NIL conversation. So she's going to have a lot to say, and I'm excited for you guys to hear what she has to say. But um being that you've re- really researched yes. researched this a lot, why do you feel the non-revenue sports are so important to focus on? And why do you feel there's such an importance, especially on the female side of it? Well, I think because most sports that girls are going to go and play in college are non-revenue sports. They're mm-hmm. Olympic sports. They, you know, softball, gymnastics, volleyball, um, field hockey, um, swimming, diving. I mean, there's so many of those sports that, again, those are non-revenue sports, but they're represented in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think 80% of athletes who um, partake in the Olympics participated in student athletics. So that's a, that's a huge number when you look at like just numbers in a, in a chart for, you know, representation of athletics, athletes as a whole. But specifically for females, there's not a lot of opportunity for females once they get out of their elected, you know, collective sports. So We'll get into the the WNBA in just a minute versus the NBA, which was very interesting when we dove down that rabbit hole. But Mm -hmm. specifically for, I'm just going to use gymnastics for an example. If you aren't able to make the U.S. national team and become a member of an Olympic squad every four years, um, and again, there's only five of them. So five athletes out of, you know, the millions that participate in the sport of gymnastics that opportunity is very limited. Mm-hmm. So if you do have the ability to play or to participate in gymnastics at a collegiate level, but you don't have the opportunity to take that outside of gymnastics once it's done. I mean, maybe you open up a gym, maybe you, you become a coach, you can become a coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do a tour of clinics after you maybe graduate, you maybe work for another college um, right. in the sports program. But you know, those positions are also very limited. They are very limited. When you talk about the millions of girls that participate in these programs. Exactly. So I think it's it's come to a point where it's like, okay, why aren't we letting these athletes take advantage of their, you know, when they are at the peak of their sport, why not let them take advantage of what they can do? And with the rise of social media, I mean, you have the ability, you know, to infiltrate so many viewers in such a, a quick time span that mm-hmm. it would make sense to allow them to monetize their influence um, when it comes to social media and their athletic background. One of the big takeaways too from Celine's conversation was that she goes over when they're 
when you go into the program initially in her freshman year, she was told a lot of things that she couldn't do. Right. You know, why don't we framework the conversation about what you can do? Like yeah. more opportunities. And I think that if you offered more opportunities, there's going to be a lot more yeses and honestly, yeah. maybe better performance. I think what happens here is that there's there's such a... A, a long line of protocols that you have to do to stay in compliance, even mm-hmm. to get Celine on the show today, like the paperwork I had to go through and just like the chain of, you know, people I had to talk to. I was like, wow, for 30 minutes. Okay. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. I, yeah, know, she did a lot. Did I did it. nothing. I showed up. <laughs> I was right. like, Thanks. But just to, you know, to make sure that it, it that we stayed within compliance and that, you know, it was important for us to be able to have, you know, her voice be shared on this platform. So I wanted to make sure that we did that the right way. But even seeing in that, how many layers of compliance that just had to go through. I was like, mm-hmm. dang, and that's just a podcast that doesn't, we're not monetized. Do you know what I mean? Like that would have been a different conversation, a different set of paperwork, you know, if it was. I was like, oh, for real? Okay. So, I mean, I, I think something to kind of take away with this or even, I guess, introduce this conversation was, um, you know, the rise of social media and what this has the potential to do for athletes. And I'm, mm-hmm. we're going to use females at, in this example, but males have because they're most females don't have these multi-million dollar contracts when they finish school you know or they finish their sport they're not it's not like football or basketball or baseball where you can go on to sign you know your last day of college you know catapults you into a multi-million dollar contract of playing your sport or even endorsement so like Mm -hmm. that's not on the table for you know these women at all and even really unless you're Serena Williams, you're not getting these like lavish contracts that allow you to get the same type of financial compensation for your athletic ability. And we're females. So we're females. And we we like to talk about female things because we feel like in tune with that. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So um, one of the examples that I want to bring up is the Cavender twins, Hannah and Haley, who are the two leading scorers on the Fresno State women's basketball team. But they also have a massive reach on TikTok with 2.8 million viewers. Um, It's growing by the day. Yeah. So that's that's just their fan. So that's that is I mean, I don't even know the data on like how many views they've had collectively since they started TikTok. Um, But they've had a huge presence in social media. But like according to a a sports agency, like they have the earning potential collectively of five hundred thousand dollars. But that's that's money they have to leave on the table. And that's to play their sport to play their sport. So to maintain their scholarship to maintain their scholarship. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I was talking to Dan about this and he's like, well, why wouldn't they, you know, why won't, why don't you think these athletes just stop playing? I'm like, well, they shouldn't have to, it shouldn't have to be, you can that. make money mm-hmm. or you can play the sport that you grew up loving and that you, you know, devoted your entire, I'm going to say your entire childhood training to get to this point because a lot of student athletes do give up a lot of their childhood to play you know, travel sports and, you know, they give up their weekends, they're giving up their, you know, spring breaks, they're giving up a lot of things because their payoff is that they get, you know, a scholarship to go play in college. And honestly, like, I think they would be learning nothing to being on a team. Like they're part of the team. They're going to show up for their team members. They're not going to leave their team members for TikTok. But they also notice that like, man, we have a following. We could monetize this. So it it probably is a very difficult decision to stay on a team, but they're not going to leave them behind. Right. I mean, I, I think it would... Again, I don't know their situation. I don't know, you know, what they feel would be best for them. But I'm like, man. Well, I feel like that, that's best for them. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly, feel like that's yeah. probably what <laughs> that's, they're saying. They're like, I, yeah. mentally. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, but the, the athlete influencer market is super lucrative. I mean, you look at some of the highest followed athletes in social media. And, you know, you have 
Olivia Dunn, who's a freshman gymnast at LSU, who has 5 million followers between Instagram and TikTok. And then you have... Um, Lexi Sun. Yeah, Lexi Sun from Nebraska, which is a huge football school, but she plays mm-hmm. volleyball. Um, and she's the most followed athlete at Nebraska. So it's not like these females are... And that, those are just two examples. I mean, yep. there are... I'm going to say tens, if not hundreds, you know, more females that follow into that suit of like these, they had these big followings on social for a reason mm-hmm. when they're, you know, they're entertaining with their craft and what they do, their personality shines through on these platforms and they're sharing their voice and their story. I mean, if you're not compelled to listen to somebody's story and everybody has got an interesting one, but I feel like these female athletes have a voice where it's like, yes. And I think a lot of other people get behind that. I've been like, yes, girl, how can we help you succeed? Like, because I do feel like the cap is put so far down on these female athletes. And at the time, we just need to blow that off the water. Like, we just mm-hmm. get rid of it. Let's just see what we can do with these girls and really help them, you know, take it to the next level. I think with the launch, too, that we mentioned a, a few weeks ago of Together, Together the XR um, together. I think that that it does seem like it's moving in the right direction, but it is mm-hmm. things like um, NIL that can break the ceiling too. And it doesn't yeah. again, like it doesn't have to be. It's not we're not asking to be right where the males are. It's like, do you understand that you're holding these these girls down that don't have the ability to enter into these huge contracts? And they could. They are leaving the money on the table. So if you're asking us to yeah. lean the fuck, lean yeah. in, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then help us. Like I, yeah. and I hate that. Yeah, line, but I, but I, I'm gonna even take it a little step further with this um because i do think it's a responsibility of the ncaa to create fairness and equality as well as equity amongst all of their athletes mm-hmm. but they're not doing that and i think the one of the basic big one of the biggest examples of an athlete influencer is the tiktok that was heard around the world when sedona prince showed the huge disparity in the basketball tournament the NCAA basketball tournament between the men's and women's locker room Mm -hmm. and how the weight room not the locker rooms the Mm -hmm. weight rooms how the men's was this lavish just like sprawling sprawling with all kinds of equipment and like every type of workout piece of pristine new weight equipment that you could possibly think of like separate benches separate like like, and like in a huge and I've again we've been to the Indianapolis Convention Center many of times. That's where we hold a lot of our chair competitions. I know exactly what halls they use and they are sprawling. I mean, you could put your roller skates on and get tired from roller skating from one side down to the other. That's how big it is. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's full. It's full of equipment for these men. Rightfully so. But then you go to the women's tournament who is held in, you know, just average gyms, college gyms. And but they it was had, in Indy at the same time. But no, the, this was a different one. No, oh, their, oh, okay. their tournaments were in different cities. Oh, they were? Yeah, Indy was in its own bubble. So, like, oh. we've got intel there that was like, no, like, every team had their own hotel. They had their own floors. Oh. You couldn't have your parents couldn't come in. Like, every, it was the lockdown bubble city that could. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. so great for the city of Indianapolis. I love that city. But, man, mm-hmm. like, wow. So, no, women's was not. So where was the women's held? Um, they were, it was actually all over. There was some, I think, in Houston, um, I think around the Texas area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the you wouldn't know because the signage on the floor didn't even tell you. But that, that's what I think. But that I want to get back to the weight to room for a second, um, because in the women's weight room, it was a standard set, not even standard. I'm going to say substandard. The highest weight that they had was 30 pounds, 30 pounds. Okay. We have dumbbells 
And then we have a stack of sanitized yoga mats. There was a sign that says, sanitized for your protection. That's it. And that's it. One set of weights Mm -hmm. for an entire female basketball tournament and like six yoga mats. Yeah, and so when when we say standard, it's like five to 30 pound weight. Right. You know, so just two of each. Two of each. So if there's more than one person showing up. You're out of luck. I'm using air quotes to lift weights. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's not I really mean, doing the part. So Sedona Prince put that on blast on Twitter and on TikTok. And it, I mean, I think it has over like 16 million views, I think at this point. Um, and the vice president of the women's tournament made an apology. And it was so, his, his whole thing was that we just didn't have the space. And then Sedona was like, hold on real quick. She goes, let me let me show you behind the curtain. And she shows behind the curtain. And it's again, a sprawling space of like, there, there's Nothing plenty there. of room, plenty yeah. of room to outfit the, you know, the space with, with weights and stuff. So, you know, it gets fixed, which, it, it, and again, it only gets fixed in my opinion because they, the backlash they received, not because they had an interest in helping these women out, but because they were like, oh my God, people, people know, they know the secret. Like mm-hmm. it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, you got a phone. Now you got a post. Yeah. It's, a, it's all about accountability now. It's all about accountability. And that that's all she wanted. She mm-hmm. just wanted you to take accountability for what happened at the NCAA. So, um, you know, and that kind of led a lot of people into the realm of, you know, this is not okay. I mean, the just kind of going through of like, okay, the amount of sexism that exists in sports is undeniable. Um, But even particularly like in the NCAA is it's just nauseating. I mean, just even in this tournament alone, the swag bags that were given, um, and we'll link a picture to this in the show notes, but um, the men had these lavish bags with, you know, corporate sponsors and, you know, lots of different deodorants and bags and energy powders, energy powders and drinks and Mm -hmm. sweatshirts and hats and towels. And I mean, it's in a puzzle. I want to get to that in a minute. Um, And then you see a picture of the women's and it is like a travel size toothpaste and like a little sweatband. To, you know for your head and um and a couple of water bottles maybe a water bottle like i mean it was two. sad and that's it it was it, a, but it was like the gatorade one like and i'm not shaming yeah. like the gatorade but it's just basic like basic it was powerade, it was powerade yeah. yeah but they're just like basic you know basic. and yeah and it's not saying that again and you're gonna go back to funds like oh you know they bring in so much more money mm. guys mm. yeah i know during the tournament i think that the girls were mentioned at certain tournament times more than the guys tournament if you if you cared about basketball like in in the actual just watching it i think the women's game proved to be more exciting than the men's tournament this Mm -hmm. year and i didn't know this until i heard this and i was like oh my gosh especially the championship game if you googled ncaa championship like the men's tournament is what comes up you have to actually physically search for the women's information for the women's thing to come up so like ncaa tournament only men's Mm -hmm. i'm like that's that's not okay. And um, the March Madness, that is only coined for the men's tournament. That is not coined for women's. I thought that was really interesting too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not know that either. Um, and they use different COVID testings for the men versus the women. Which this was shocking to me. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm like, oh, are you going to test them more? But as you found out that mm-hmm. it was the test for the, the antibodies. antibodies. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a, a little quote here. Um the men received a different COVID test than the women. Stanford coach Tara Van De- Devere, um, the Cardinals director of women's basketball, issued a statement Saturday night 
upset at the evidence of blatant sexism that is purposeful and hurtful, leaving them feeling betrayed by the NCAA. Women's athletes and coaches are done waiting, not just for upgrades of a weight room, but for equality in every aspect of life, according to the statement. Seeing men's health valued at higher level than women's is evidenced by different testing protocols at both tournaments is disheartening. So not only are there discrepancies of our test, like athletic ability, just to show one facility gets this, the other gets this, but like just to even think that the testing isn't even deserved to be on the same playing field. Yeah, because because even to because they got the the men got the the one that's like the travel. Mm-hmm. I'm trying mm-hmm. to look at the official name of it because I know that I've had yeah. to do it, um, and it is more. It like covers more bases. It, right. it covers it more, more boxes. Yeah, than the one that the shoe was. Which is okay. And then I know like, and I know this because I have friends that are at the college level. I mean, they're coaches. Like they get tested every Wednesday. Like all staff, all athletes, all administrative. Like everybody gets tested every Wednesday, and they have to. Is it the PR test? Is that what it's called? It's well, I it's. Like, I, I don't want to say the wrong verbiage, but like it's the. Yeah, it's it, like a good one. Like it's the one you're supposed to use to mm-hmm. to check for all strands, all variants, and all all Correct. the things. Um. It's like the, you know, the upper echelon of, of testing. Yes. Like it's not the fat, the rapid test that you right. get at CVS. You have to go yeah. to certain places to get it. Right. Um, and that's what, I mean, again, that's what these athletes are used to getting at their own programs. And then they come to a tournament and they get the, the just not even the, the, the standard in which they're asked to be doing on a daily or a weekly basis at their own programs. Again, disheartening. And it's disrespectful. I mean, it's just ridiculous just to see the blatant disrespect between the two. Um but like the facility disparities, the meals, the travel accommodations, I mean, it's just undervaluing these women and it's just enough is enough. I mean, it's just giving them a chance though, too. Like yeah. it's always about dollars and cents and yeah, whether that may be an arguing point or not, but they've never been given, like put them on the platform, yeah. put them at the prime times. Cause yeah. I think that when you do that, they do show up and people tune in. I mean, I, it, that's, I think that is the biggest thing that we are, we're learning and we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's the, I meant to, to say this before, but the jigsaw puzzles oh, right. in the, uh, the swag bags, I found this entertaining. Um, the men's had like 500 pieces to their puzzles. The women had 150 piece puzzles. And you don't, don't give me that some, some shit about some, or some stuff about space because you know that a 500 piece box is smaller because mm-hmm. they're smaller pieces. They're smaller pieces. Yeah. 150 right. is a bigger box. Right. So don't tell me that's because you didn't have space in the women's boxes. Right. Did you think we just can't handle the 500 pieces? Right. What you think? What you thinking? Give me those corner pieces. I'll put right. that together. Done and done. Bye. 500 pieces. My 10 year old can do that in a snap. Let's get to the WNBA before we forget. Oh, yes. Okay. Because so, this is this is <laughs> what I got fired up about. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So in looking, I was like, okay, what would it take? Like if I was going to play in the, the WNBA, like what was what's my eligibility? Well, you have to be 22 and the... Um, you have to have the, the WNBA requires players to be at least 22 years old to have completed their college eligibility to have graduated from a four year college or to be four years removed from high school. Mm-hmm. If I were going to play in the NBA, all drafted players must be at least 19 years old during the calendar year of the draft to determine whether a player is eligible for a given for a year's given draft. Subtract 19 from the year of the draft. If the player was born during or before that year, he is eligible. Is the NBA owned, or is the WNBA owned by the NBA? I don't know. Because that just might be just be bad leadership, too. 
like getting the girls in the right place, like getting these women into the right places and arguing this, yeah, this um, inadequacy. Yeah. So I don't know about that. So that might be a that might be a point. But either way, um, let the girls play. Let the girls at nineteen. Play. Yeah, I know. I don't. I would love to hear that reasoning why they put twenty two. Yeah. Because it just it's just very odd to me. Like, like, are they worried they won't have a scholarship to fall back on? Are you protecting them in some way? I don't know. That's that's just what the big questions for me were. And also, like, if what I brought up off air was like, you're getting closer to a woman's age where they think about marriage, and you know, and not that twenty two is an age to get married, but you question, can I go into the WNBA? Can I play for this many years, and then? What's going to happen after? So, because women always have to think about just levels, like what's my life going to look like? More so maybe than a male. I think so. I think it's a a multi layered um, type of, you just have to sift through so many more, you know, what ifs and possibilities in your head when you're a woman than if you're a man. There's just a lot more things that we have to, you know, balance out and look into, take into accountability. It's not just a, yes, this is good for me now. I'm going to keep going. It's like, okay, if. I choose to have a child. What does that look like? Like what time frame am, am I personally comfortable or thinking about that? If that's something that's in my path, if I'm, you know, do meet somebody and want to feel like I want to get married, like what kind of time frame does that look like for me? So I think, you and know, going for with my dreams and what if this comes in the way? So just putting a deeper time constraint on that, it makes yeah. a lot of things not possible. Exactly. So don't, I think it masks as protection, but then it limits possibilities. I do too. And I think, I mean, I think it would start when I'd be curious to know, cause I don't know the statistic on this, but like how many women, female athletes go into WNBA, WNBA without going to a four year college. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but I'd be interested to, I'm just thinking that out loud right now. I'm like, well, they have to finish, finish. Don't they have completed their college? It's one of the, one of the requirements. Yes. Yeah. But I'm just curious, like how many, like if it, because it says here it's like or be four years removed from from high school from high school so 18 19 20 21 22 so that still puts you at 22 so you're so then that leads you're not really protecting them from like getting their degree you're just kind of letting them wait out their possibilities I, yeah it, I'm, I'm very curious i think we should circle back on this because i okay. wonder if the nba does own the, the WNBA. don't know i don't know can't say it yeah but also um who's making these decisions yeah because that one's that one's, that one's a really puzzling. Mm-hmm. And I say all of this before we get into our guests. The I think the thing that makes me most irritated about this whole conversation is that, oh, sorry, um, is that women were never given a chance to succeed because the system wasn't built to watch us succeed. When I say that, I mean, there's, we could, you could use that in a lot of other parallels, but like I'm talking specifically for sports with this, but when people are like, oh, you just don't make enough money to put it on TV. I'm like, you don't know that because you've, the system wasn't built for us to show you that. Mm -hmm. Like you've made that abundantly clear by keeping us at bay for longer years of entering a sport of profession or giving us the ability to make a profession out of more sports. Because if you're only concerned with the dollar amount then let us show you or then i don't know maybe stop making us prove that our value has to do with the amount of monetizing that you can have over a person like i don't think that that's you should determine your worth based upon a financial contribution that your talent or your face or your body can make you like Mm -hmm. 
Well, it, it goes to show you, like, you don't think Lexi's son, who is, again, the volleyball player at Nebraska, she puts out a video of her doing something really cool in volleyball. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Like, hitting a bunch of things over the net. I don't know. Okay. Like, I'm using very limited jargon. So, and then this creates a moment where they're like, okay, can you put out a video teaching us how to do that? Right. So she can't do that. So it's not even about like, maybe she could go on and do something on ESPN where she hosts these clinics or something and it's like a reality show. I'm just giving yeah. give an example. Like that's one way that she could be on like a primetime sports show and show off her skills. But again, it's not given the chance. Right. Is that, is that yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A long and way to get it, to long way to get there. Yeah. I think. And again, I think with the inception of the together uh, for women by women made for women's voices i think that we will see you know a bigger charge in in this um but i also think with leaders like celine funky that you know she did she is paving the way and she is doing it um you know from the inside uh as far as like from an athlete perspective i think we are going to see a lot of change and i have a lot of confidence and a lot of ability in the future or you know um hope you know, in the future with people like this leading the charge. So, Mm -hmm. and if you're asking women to ask for more, this is how they're asking for more. Yeah. Like this is it. (laughs) It it might not look like the way they. Give us more puzzle pieces. Give (laughs) us better COVID tests. Give us more weights. Give us, like we can take it. So you're saying like, but you're like, well, you didn't ask for it the right way. No, but this is the way that makes more sense. You see it. And so it's, it may not be the way that everybody's like, well, okay, that, that doesn't make the dollar sense, but it does make sense when it comes to right being more equal. So yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. And I will say one thing about um, so volleyball too is very huge, especially yes. in our city. Didn't know that until about five years ago. Mm-hmm. But my um, a close family member of mine plays on a very hot like big team here in in the city, and these th- these tournaments drive huge attendance. Yeah, in high school. I was listening to a family member talk about how big these conference, like these like sports conferences are basically, or sports tournaments. And even in Las Vegas, it's mm-hmm. like court by court by court and it's standing room only. And it is just amazing to see like the drive to show up at these things. So you're telling me that that's not, that's can't be monetized in college. It's right. just like little things like that. Like if yeah. people are willing to travel like that. I know. And again, I think the college level is just different because there's so many laws and you know antitrust things you have to worry about. I mean, there's so many different avenues that it's not just as easy as like this or that by right. any means with college. I mean, I think there's, again, I'm not in sports law. I don't understand it. I will let the professional speak on that. But I do understand that there's, you know, there's a lot of different layers to this conversation well we'll get to one layer with celine yes we hope you guys enjoy it's a it's a cool conversation yeah and let us know what you think um you know let us know in the dms and you know snap a screenshot of this episode and you know give us your comments because we are definitely interested in hearing what you guys have to think definitely all right we're on all right zen friends please welcome celine funky to our podcast yay (laughs) so this has been a long time I know. Um, Shannon first brought a lot of the this to my attention. Um, she is well versed in all things NCAA and sports, college sports. Um, so we're really excited to have you. Yes. Um, and Celine, I came across your article that you wrote for sportsillustrated.com. Um, and uh, we're going to get into that in a second. But uh, for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, can you give them a little rundown? Just, you know, 
skim your resume, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So my name is Celine Funky, and I am a fifth year on the softball team here at Louisville. Um, I got the fifth year blessing due to COVID, um, which ended my senior year a little early, but it worked out perfectly. I am now able to finish my MBA in the spring. So I got a finance undergrad and an MBA um, by playing this great sport that I love. Um, So that has been really awesome. I'm originally from Carmel, Indiana, which is just north of Indianapolis. Um, And I really got involved with SAC with my time here at Louisville. Um, SAC stands for Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And basically we're the liaison between student athletes and senior staff. Um, So I have been serving in SAC, this is my third year. I currently serve as the SAC president here at UofL. And I also serve as the ACC SAC chairperson. So I sit in on ACC meetings as well and we give input to the NCAA. So. Um, kind of a, a long-winded, but basically um, been really involved with that, and, it, and it's been awesome. That's, uh, man, I don't know how you fit all of this in your time. Okay. I was not this proficient with my time you're management like, in college, so no. that's off to you, my friend. No, you're like the Beyonce of like the Cardinal program. <laughs> so I have a question. Why was it so important that you get involved with SAC, and did you see some great holes that you could start to fill in in that program? Yeah, so at first it was kind of a just like a leadership, the way to get me into a leadership role, I guess. Um, we have about two reps per team. Um, so really it was just a way to, to start getting involved with some leadership stuff, learn different leadership skills. And then once I learned more about SAC, I think that the legislation in, in the NCAA is very interesting. And I think that it's super important that the NCAA get input from student athletes. So I felt like it was a great way for me to get involved and, and have both of those things. Absolutely. I mean, I think the um, I think they they've got the right person at the right position to help. You know, with an educated perspective, but also an internal perspective because you do represent a large majority majority of student athletes. Which I believe it's eighty percent of all student athletes are non revenue sports athletes. Which that was huge. In reading and researching this, I was like, I didn't I didn't realize that. But wow, that what a great number. But also for you to be able to be firsthand in that position, I think um, gives a lot of hope for change in a very reflective way for the student athlete population. Um, so I wanna talk today about name image likeness and what that means and what, as far as again, a, a non-revenue athlete, what does that mean for the future of college scholarships, but also the future of college sports? Yeah, so NIL is the hot topic of the year. Well, one of many between between COVID, I guess, but um, been a super hot topic with with college athletics. And it could be, I think, one of the biggest changes in legislation ever. Um, So really NIL, as student athletes, we are considered amateurs. Therefore, we can't be paid for um, basically being involved with athletics at all. Um, So you can't use your name, image, or likeness, hence the legislation coming through. But um, basically, it, it, it's different for every sport. So you think about your, your football and your men's basketball who have, I mean, for us, we had Lamar Jackson. So um, you have that end of it where they would now be able to do TV deals, um, be brand, like sponsor brands and all of those different things. Um, and then there's also the side of NIL that is dealing with entrepreneurship or like, let's say you wanted to have a YouTube channel or, or a podcast and you wanted to make money from that. 
um, we don't have the opportunity to do that because we are student athletes. So they don't want us to basically get extra benefits because we are student athletes, but this legislation would allow us to use our name, image, and our likeness to profit um, on the brand that we've worked so hard to build. Um, so I think that there's two very different parts of it um, and they affect all student athletes really. Yeah, okay. can you talk to us a little bit about what's all covered in your scholarship? Yeah, so um, every scholarship is different. So at least for softball, we have 12 scholarships for, I think there was, there's 25 or 24 of us on the roster. So um, we split those scholarships. There's very rarely are you on a full scholarship, um, but then you have your basketball and footballs that are either all or nothing. So it's kind of different, but for us, we have broken up scholarships and um, they include tuition. Um, it includes room and board. So room and board is something that I don't think a lot of people know about, but basically that's reimbursed right to our pocket. And depending on the housing that we live in, we pay our, our, our rent and all of that out of pocket. So anything that, let's say you live in a, a cheaper housing situation, like houses are a lot cheaper than on-campus apartments and all of those things, we basically get to pocket that difference. Um, and so room and board is basically your living situation as well as it covers living expenses. So food and gas and all those other things that we cover as student athletes. Um, and then on top of that, we have all of our normal benefits, I guess. So we get um, certain team meals, we get per diem. Anytime that we have games per diem, we'll basically get um, like for dinner, let's say we were playing a game during dinner time or right before dinner time, we get $15 to cover our dinner expense that we basically missed out on because we were at the field. Um, so there's per diem, there is free tutors, we have free academic advising. Um, there's a lot of other benefits that I, I, I think people don't realize that we get. And granted, this is coming from a division one power five school. I think that if you spoke to somebody at a mid-major or, or something else, it, it looks a lot different. Um, but at least here, that's, that's a lot of what we get. Okay. Yeah. So wow. how do you think, um, with the, the NIL and I'm, I'm going to use this in kind of terms of like social media, because that seems to be where this conversation is escalating so quickly with the rise of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. I mean, these platforms are built for people to, um, you know, share their brand, so to speak. And I was talking to my husband before I got on today, I was like, you know, I feel like there's a certain age. So like, I'm just going to say, if you were born before, you know, after 2010, or at least, you know, young in that age, like you were just born to have a brand. Like your name is going to be attached to a brand from here on out. And it's really no different than what we did, you know, back in the dinosaur days, uh, when, you know, we just, we networked. So that's still a form of social marketing. We just weren't doing it via a screen or, you know, with a, with a phone, so to speak. So social marketing hasn't necessarily, the concept hasn't changed. The mediums have changed, you know, exponentially. And the, the, your potential for growth is now, you know, limited only by, the algorithm of whatever platform that you're on. So with the name image likeness coming to light, like how do you see this changing the financial impact that could be made for the student athlete? Yeah, so I, I think you're right. Like everybody my age, we build a brand and and growing up, everyone's, you know, keep your social media clean. Like you, you can always go back and find these things, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I know I've worked really hard to build my brand on social media and everybody has different platforms that they use more of. Like I use Instagram more than some of my teammates use Twitter. 
Um, and we have a decent following, especially for somebody in a non-revenue sport like myself. Um, we have a decent following. So I think that we've built this brand and, and that now we'll be able to have sponsors. And, you know, for us, maybe it's not like a Gatorade or something like that, but even like a small yoga brand that might want to get in, in touch with one of us female athletes, um, we'd be able to use our, our platform basically to get paid for these sponsors, um, which I think is great. Um, it's just the availability will vary dependent on obviously who you are, your sport and all of those different things. But there's a lot of apps that, have, that are coming out right now, obviously trying to get ahead of this NIL that um, will help with a lot of this branding. I know at least with Louisville, we use uh, Open Doors and they basically send us all of our media right now, but they've built a separate platform that will show you, you know, where you rank amongst um, all division one softball student athletes um, with your following. And it'll show you the best times that you can post um, when you get the most engagement, which platform you're getting the most engagement on. So um, there's a lot of different apps that are, have, that are coming out that are willing to help student athletes with this. Um, but then it also gets a little hairy because there's all the the tax inputs and all of that. And it's like, well, who helps us with all of that? Do you have to have a third party come in? Will the athletics department help with that? But then it's like, who's paying for that through the athletics department? So there's just a bunch of different different pieces. But yes, I think that we've all worked to really hard to build a platform and, and, and we should be able to use it. So from a legislative point, and I think that you probably combed over this a little bit more than we have, what is standing in your way? What is standing in the way the most? Is it the verbiage around amateur or is it just basically the dollars and cents, like who's going to fund the lawyers or the taxes and the accountants? So what's basically the biggest hurdle that you see right now? Um, there's quite a few, honestly, but especially with the letter that I wrote, my biggest point, I guess, with the way that legislation was starting to go um, is the profit sharing model. So basically with student at like with any athletic department, um, let's say we get a donation of $2 million. Well, that $2 million isn't just going to football and basketball. It's going to all sports or let's say football makes a million dollars in one of their games. That million dollars is spread out amongst all sports because, well, if it wasn't, softball doesn't make any revenue. Therefore, we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have any, any money that's we're generating that we continue to keep. Um, so the main point that I think needs to be focused on is the profit sharing model and that yes um, there's been some legislation that have said well if they make a million dollars then that million dollars should go straight to football I think that people are going to be very disappointed with how that turns out and it will I think it would get rid of Olympic sports completely um, and all of us non-revenue sports and and you've got then you have title nine issues because a lot of those sports that are gone are female sports because we are non-revenue. Um, so there's a lot of different pieces, but I think that that's, that was my main focus in writing my letter. Um, and I think that that is a big hurdle and a big discussion that they're going over because of they, they think it's not fair if, you know, the football kids are making the money that they're not getting it. But I think that it's a bigger picture than that. And even from the student athlete standpoint, I think that we all really appreciate what we have and, and we all believe in the equal opportunity that we all get, um, especially education wise. And, and I think that it would be just a shame for like kids that look up to, to me and my teammates to not have that same opportunity when they get to college. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that there's, 
discussion right now with the NIL going or this legislation going to Congress, because I think a lot of uh, states are like, listen, this needs to be federal law first, and then we can trickle down from there. And I know, um, I think as of now, like there are 13 states that passed NIL legislation that will allow f- some form of transactions to start happening as early as July of this year, which I know that this gets super sticky because then you're like, okay, well, what does that do for recruiting? And what does that mean? Like if this school offers it, but this school doesn't, do I as an athlete have to look at, okay, apples to oranges, these schools are so great. It's like, if I'm going to, you know, a school in Alabama versus a school in Kentucky and this school offers NIL and the school doesn't, then for my brand and my future, do I look at going to a school that does offer NIL? So I do understand how tricky it is. And again, I'm not an expert on sports law, so I won't default to any of those. Um, You know, I will leave that for the experts, but I do just find it so interesting that, um, you know, this is something that like, I feel like it's been swept under the rug for so long that it's like, listen, we can't keep, you know, falling over this mound in the middle of the carpet anymore. Like we have to deal with this. Um, And I'm really glad that, you know, you have such a strong opinion on it. And I'm sure that you're going to be able to look back on this in a couple of years and be like, I helped do this. Like I helped create, you know, some, some big waves in this pond. Um, and I know that you said that you have like a finance degree and you've got, you know, some business savviness to you is, do you think going in your future, like something like this will be something that you're drawn to as far as like helping student athletes, or do you feel like you're like, you're doing the work now and then you want to dip out yeah, when I'm out. <laughs> you're like, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that it's something that I would definitely be interested in doing. Um, So I want to be a financial advisor. um, And so I think that it would be interesting to take like a little path on even just like the tax side of things or, you know, I I can't really do contract negotiations because I'm not a lawyer, but I think that it would be really, really interesting to have clients that are student athletes and help them. Um, I think that I'm also worried about student athletes because, I mean, I think about my teammates who have zero finance knowledge like I don't know that they have an idea of what a stock is so I think that um, there's going to be a lot of people that take advantage of student athletes in in these ways once they're you know looking for third-party help and stuff and I I definitely want to be one of the good guys once once all that comes around Um, but yeah it's definitely something that I would be interested in doing Um, it'll just be I guess interesting to see how they go with it. You know, if they stay within athletics, then I may not be able to help out versus if you're allowed to go to a third party, I would, I would definitely want to branch out and, and do that. Yeah. yeah. Cause you're only going to be able to advocate for yourself and you need, right. you need people like on your side to really support you and just be like, here, let me help you into this very, very multi-lane um, field. Um, I do have a question. So <laughs> if you, if you could zoom out, do you feel like this is if you look at social media as a whole and, and what you have experienced, it is a little bit more, um, I think females get more of a following for sure. Do you think that that is something that you've seen across the board um, as far as like in softball and other female driven sports, like they do have more of a following than others? I would say that more, so like, let's say my team. So I would say my team has more people that have over a thousand followers than maybe a football team but the select few on the football and basketball have thousands so you have like the Lamar Jackson the Lamar Jacksons and those players that will have you know humongous followings and they will get the really big deals versus like I know like me and my teammates some of us have over 2,000 followers I don't know if that makes sense but I think we have a, a greater 
closer to an average. And then the spread on the other sports is pretty large, dependent on who that student athlete is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that, and I guess maybe it's just skewed because we're all female. So we're looking at, you know, Instagram in a different way, true. you know, yeah. so like, I know if I'm looking at my husband's, I'd be like, why this is boring. Like, what do you scroll yeah. through on your Instagram? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why don't you look at pretty <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> pretty pictures. So, um, and, you know, I just really thought it was kind of interesting just like, as I scanned through some of the well-known um, female athletes um, in college sports, I thought it was just fascinating how much of a following they had. I, I mean, and even I was like clicking follow. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll follow you. And yeah. even on TikTok and in, in getting millions of views, I mean, millions and millions of views each time they post. So I do think yeah. it's a, it's a great conversation to have moving forward. Um, especially when you have this much influence and influence is not going away. Social media is not going away, but even think about micro influencers, which is something we haven't really talked about much in our podcast, but that mm-hmm. is a thing. And it, even if you have about 2000 to 3000 followers, it's, you can still monetize that um, yeah. and grow yourself in that field. And you don't have to have millions of followers, right? right. That niche market is, I mean, it's what marketers dream of because you don't have to cut through the clutter. It's like, Oh, look, I have my specific amount of people that like this one little thing. And I just know exactly like if you are the queen of stealing bases, which you are, um, you know, then you would have a great opportunity for, you know, somebody to come in and use that to leverage both positions. So I think, you know, I would, I would say, you know, don't give up hope, ladies. Like <laughs> that micro-influencer <laughs> is right where the sweet spot is. It's, it's so yeah. great. Um, so where do you think, or how do you think your view on um, the NIL has changed since your freshman year as a Cardinal to, you know, now your fifth year? So I think that I was clueless my freshman year for sure. I mean, we go through all the hours of compliance meetings that tell us what not to do. And, you know, I think I had a good understanding of what not to do, but um, after going through college, I think like one of the biggest parts that I would have used out of NIL is um, like giving private lessons. Like I go home and I'm not allowed to post on my Instagram that I'm home to give lessons. I basically just have to tell, you know, coaches in the area and just say, you know, Hey, I'm back in town let your kid know. So it's all word of mouth. We're not allowed to post anything. We're not allowed to put anything out that says, you know, I play softball at UofL, giving lessons, whatever. Um, and that may not seem like much, but that would have been a lot of, of pocket money for me, um, especially in the summer when I love to, I love, you know, teaching kids, but I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of it because I, I can't put it out there. Um, so you're basically just talking to people just saying, you know, hey, by the way, I'm doing this. So I think that that piece is pretty cool. And and there's even some businesses. My brother's a computer electrical engineer that he and I have started, like thought about starting together, um, like different apps and stuff since I'm more of the business side and he's more of the engineering side. Um, but for me, it doesn't really make sense because I can't really have a for-profit business right now um, with my name attached to it. So um, I think those are two things that have really like opened my eyes as, yeah, you know, this isn't really fair. Like a normal student at the University of Louisville can do both of those things. Like, let's say they're really, maybe it's not a sport, but they're really good at something and they want to give lessons. They're allowed to post about it. I'm not. Um, so I think that if they really want to create this equal playing ground, that it includes some of those things. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it's not, that is 
I think that opens my eyes so much more, just those two points, because as you just ran down your schedule, it's super packed. So you can't, when it's in season, you're not, you're not able to work or make extra money, which, you know, why you, you definitely have the right to do that. But also like, I can't, you can't even post, you can't even say like, Hey, yeah. I'm into teaching kids and even maybe finding a love somewhere else. I think that is, I, that really has that really opens my eyes to other things too. It's not yeah. just about social media and growing your, growing your platform. It's about just honestly taking on different dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think too, to your point, I mean, this is like, you're in your heyday, right? Like this isn't like you have a professional softball league to go on to after this yeah. is done. Like you peak in college and then, you know, you're, you're done. Yeah. As far as like yeah. the performance side of playing your sport. Now, I'm sure that there are other avenues that you could, um, you know, pursue if you so chose to do so, but why not have the opportunity while you're here for four or five years to really elevate what you're doing and make the most out of your time here? So, I mean, in, in that light, like I do think, you know, it is an unfair advantage, um, you know, as a student athlete, but yet you could be doing so much good for your community, both here in Louisville and, you know, in Indiana, just by being allowed to, you know, advertise and market that, you know, Hey, I've got skills. I'm happy to share them, you know, like let's do this. Yeah. So what's the, if you're looking at someone who's like defending this, is there, what are they saying? Are they saying it's more of a protection for our student athletes? We're trying to um, make sure they get the best experience out of their college time. Like, what are they saying to say like, uh, this is not probably the best Avenue. We need to make sure our student athletes are in one lane and not multi. So I think the biggest part is amateurism. They want to keep intact amateurism, which I I agree. I don't think that we should have a salary and get paid per game or something like that. Um, but I think that we can be amateurs and still do outside business activities and all of those things. And there's other worries with, like I said, like the financial side, the contracting. They don't want student athletes to get in legal trouble because they simply didn't understand it. Um, and there's also so many different parts, like I've mentioned, that they don't know which part to approve, which part to be like, no, probably not. Um, So there's that. And then there's also the time management. So let's say, you know, you do take something on an outside business activity or, or you have, you know, a TV commercial that you have to go to. Well, what if that commercial is overlapping with practice, then what, you know? Um, So I think that there's a lot of different parts to it. And there's some that do make sense genuinely. Um, And there's some parts of NIL that they've said that they want to change that I don't even think are a good idea. Um, So I think that there's just so many moving parts that um, they're trying to figure out which is the best avenue. And and like you said, since states have already approved certain things, um, we need a national decision by July or else recruiting gets way out of hand. And I think that they understand that, but um, I would like to see something sooner, I guess, rather than later instead of cutting it close. You do need answers. And I know that, I don't know if I just mentioned this or not, but like was reading that, you know, there is a committee that is meeting the the board of governors um, who are involved in the NCAA are meeting next week to discuss this before it goes on to Congress. So I think action is starting to happen. But again, I'm, I'm like, if this can happen in this short amount of time, I'm like, y'all are really focused in on it, which is great. I mean, I've never seen legislation move that fast in my life, which, you know, I'm like, okay, we need that. Um, But it's also like, if it's going to be made that fast, like, what kind of decisions are going to have to be put to the wayside for like the next round of this and you know how much of this becomes like a political conversation versus actually like what's good for the you know the student versus what's good for the university and you know i mean there's a whole you know that gets like to be a layered conversation too so Mm -hmm. and it's i mean again i i say this all the time i'm like all of this over sports 
And you made no, a good point in your you made a good point in your article. I mean, in America, it's way different than yeah. what the colleges provide. I mean, I know you mentioned that it's a D one top five school or uh, was it power five school, mm-hmm. but it it is they provide so much, and it wasn't like you were shaming that you were appreciating yeah. that, but also there's it's it's a lot more when you think about it that they right. could you could be focusing on. Yeah, which is cool. Awesome. Well, Celine, we know that you are a very busy young woman. You've got some, you know cats to go kick today in your game and we are all for that so go cards um but thank you so very much for you know sharing your time with us and we are going to be following you um like a hawk on your social because we just we have a new cardinal crush and we just really appreciate your time Ooh, cardinal yes crush. thank you so much for having me all absolutely right. well all good right. luck today bye Celine. thanks see you guys bye Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.